Lions fans. It's time for the podcast you've been waiting for. The show where Kool-Aid runs blue, faces turn red, and rose-colored glasses never go out of style. This is the Detroit Lions podcast. Welcome to the Daily DLP. I'm your host, Ash Thompson, and today we're going on a little trip around the division. Vision. And that's probably the last time I'm making that inside joke reference to an old podcast segment intro. The Vikings took on the Eagles in a Thursday night game. Uh, turnovers continued to be an issue with an early special teams fumble and then an Alexander Madison fumble before the end of the first quarter. And the Vikings could not contain the Eagles running backs, which bodes well for a coming party out for Gibbs on a future date. Their defense, however, did do a great job of bottling up Jalen Hurts on called running plays that were not sneaks. Uh, just when they went for the QB draw on purpose, it did not work. Uh, Justin Jefferson and TJ Hawkinson appear to be the entire Vikings offense right now. Whenever they try anything else, it seems to pretty much not go super well. Uh, the Vikings secondary was struggling early on with uh, passing receivers off to each other in zone coverage. There was a lot of confusion. And that's part of why they went into the half down six. Uh, they got the ball back, but the turnovers continued. Their uh, first drive of the second half started on their own 25-yard line. And the second drive of the second half started on the Vikings' six-yard line after yet another fumble. Two plays later, the Vikings were down 20-7. to They responded to that with two consecutive passes to Alexander Madison for negative yards. And then after a quick three and out, they... Gave up a 64-yard touchdown pass to Devontae Smith to go down by 20 at the 10-minute mark of the third quarter. And that, folks, was the game. The rest of this all happened facing a defense that was basically on autopilot and an offense that was just killing the clock to run out the time. Uh, the Eagles went into a soft zone defense for the majority of the second half, uh, but the Vikings did finally hit back, hitting a deep ball to Jordan Addison uh, for 62 yards and a touchdown. Uh, they adjusted to stop the bleeding and big plays in the passing game. And then DeAndre Swift came alive. Uh, he finished the day with 175 yards on the ground on 28 carries. Where was that when he played for the Lions? The Vikings adjustments didn't stick, though, uh, because they did let A.J. Brown get open for multiple deep shots over the course of the second half. Uh, they were saved a lot by holding calls and uncalled pass interference. Uh, which resulted in like third and forevers that Danielle Hunter capitalized on with a sack. Basically, the Eagles were on the 23-yard line, and by the end of a drive, ended up outside the 50 and punting. Uh, just a weekly reminder that Jerry, Judy, C.D. Lamb, Henry Ruggs, and Jalen Rager all went before Justin Jefferson in the draft. Everyone who made those picks was wrong. Atlanta quarter Jeff Okuda was the Detroit Lions pick in the first round that year, and they would have been roasted beyond belief for taking Jefferson in number three. And that should tell you everything you ever need to know about how much draft grades are worth. Brad Holmes is right. Draft graders are wrong. The Eagles defense was playing a few guys that hadn't seen much game action. Uh, specifically, their corner group was missing James Bradbury, and it showed. Uh, two second-half touchdown passes went to his replacement, who, if that was any indication, is not long for the league. 
Uh, the Eagles were clearly in clock control mode. They ran the ball 48 times on the night after getting a big early lead off the back of their explosive passing plays. Now, some might say that that let the Vikings back into the game, but when the Eagles needed to score a touchdown to put the game away, they did. Down 21-34, the Vikings opened their drive by throwing six straight dump-off passes to running backs and tight ends before they finally managed to find a wide receiver open down the field. That's the kind of defense that the Eagles were running. Short passes available, deep passes not. Uh, They ended up scoring the same kind of meaningless touchdown that defined the Matthew Stafford area in Detroit, where if they could just recover an onside kick at the end, that touchdown might matter. But it didn't. In short, the Vikings' 28 points were a lie. They're 0-2, and that is absolutely the record they've earned so far this year. Now let's do Packers and Falcons. The Falcons, of course, are the Lions opponent next week. So I'll be covering their end of this game and the rest of this season later this week. Jordan Love opened the game basically just not on the same page as his receivers. He started with underthrowing Dontavion Wicks on a deep ball. They got a lucky DPI call. Then he was missing receivers and getting balls batted down. That was basically the theme of the first quarter. The biggest play that the Packers' offense managed was a long scramble by Love. That first touchdown pass to Jaden Reed is fake. Uh, Shovel passes with less than one air yard exist basically to prop up young quarterback stats. Love showed some chemistry with Luke Musgrave as the game developed. He did make some nice throws. But he was most effective when a Packers wide receiver was wide open and he got time. When those two things clicked in, he got the job done pretty much all day. Just, that's not something super common. But in Love's defense, the fact that all three of his touchdown passes were to rookie wide receivers tells you a lot. He developed chemistry as the play game went on, as has been the theme, but that basically disappeared completely when the fourth quarter started. Suddenly throws were wide, they were high, and they went to defenders as often as they were accurately thrown to receivers. But defenders can't catch. That's why they're defenders. On defense, the Packers just didn't really seem to have an answer for the Falcons' big receivers in the first half, uh, but they were applying enough pressure that a lot of the time it didn't matter because basically you can't get the ball off with a defender hitting you. (laughs) Their defense came to play. Uh, forcing a pick with heavy pressure on Desmond Ritter, Uh, but they had some problems dealing with the tight ends and running backs early. And on most of the plays where they had the opportunity to force a turnover, they failed to do it. They did drop a few interceptions in this game, some of which are pretty easy ones. Their defense did a pretty good job of containing the explosive ability of the Falcons offense, uh, but they just couldn't stay out of their own way. Uh, Two touchdown drives were extended by long pass interference penalties that kept the Falcons in the game. What they weren't able to contain was the Falcons' running backs, which is not surprising given that Bijan Robinson is one of those running backs and Tyler Algier had a shot at Rookie of the Year last year. To stop those two, the Packers had to go to heavy boxes, and that left enough open space for the Falcons' receivers to get some work done, Uh, but they had decent enough coverage that they didn't allow any like big shots. It was just the death by a thousand cuts. They bled field goals throughout this entire game. Uh, the Falcons were four for four on the night. 
and basically just the the aggregate of continuously getting those points. Arthur Smith has an opposing theory to Dan Campbell on that one. It's you take the points and you move on to the next drive. And if you do that enough times, you get enough points to win the game. And that philosophy did work here. The Packers got the ball with a minute to go, needing a drive from their offense just to get into field goal range to win. Jordan Love and the Packers receivers responded with four incompletions and a turnover on downs. The Packers dropped to 1-1 one one on the season, with both sides coming undone in the fourth quarter. And no matter what happens in the Lions' season this year, uh, this is going to be my favorite topic every week. Let's talk about the Chicago Bears. They dropped an interception early that might have changed the day on the opening play. They gave up an opening drive field goal that pretty much featured exactly how easy it is to game plan against a Matt Eberflus defense. It's just a basic cover two with no wrinkles and nothing special happening. The Buccaneers took shots all day into the known gaps in that defense, and the Bears just did nothing to stop it. Like, if there are coaches out there who are asking, what is a teaching tape I can use to show my quarterback how to attack a cover two defense? This is that tape. Show them this. Uh, because Everflus seems to be relying on his guys winning matchups within his scheme rather than planning for how offenses might attack that scheme and, and tweaking things accordingly. And the Bears' defensive backs are not going to win against Mike Evans and Chris Godwin all that often. It's just uh, not a likely thing. The Bucks' interior offensive line was able to push the slim and trim defenders on the interior of the Bears' D-line all day in the running game. Now, let's just uh, dump on the Bears' offense a little bit here. Uh, none of the little things are taken care of in this Bears' scheme. Obvious opportunities to chip pass rushers are missed, instead having tight ends run inside the tackle to release on their pattern rather than outside, resulting in Justin Fields getting hit. Uh, Fields isn't seeing open guys, but the vast majority of the time, there are none. The receivers on the backside of plays are jogging. <laughs> like it's it's just this is the most unprofessional thing I've I think I've ever seen the Chicago Bears offense like it is ridiculous the players the coaching all of it like how can you run a wide receiver screen pass on third and nine and not account for the play side linebacker in your blocking when that play side linebacker is going to be either Levante David or Devin White those two guys are both going to chase down your screen pass every single time. It's it's just a thing that you know is going to happen if you don't take care of it. And the Bears were not taking care of it today or this week. Six minutes to go in the second quarter, the Bears had managed negative yardage since their opening drive. Like, I think we've reached a point where it's painfully clear that what Justin Fields needs is an offense that is based on three-step, quick-drop reads, or he runs, and then bootlegs as the thing to go around that working off of their play-action game. Whether you can make that an acceptable NFL offense or not doesn't matter. That's what he can do right now. And instead, they have an offensive coaching staff that's trying to turn him into Jared Goff. And brother... He ain't Jared Goff. Whereas Goff's going to make the right read and quickly get the ball out. We're talking new Jared Goff, not like 
18, 19, 20, 21, Jared Goff. Uh, <laughs> he makes the reads quickly and gets the ball out. Fields works his progressions to a T in order with seemingly no pre-snap reads at all. Like that's, that's just what it looks like to me. There's plenty of odd times on film where there's a player who is in a spot to very likely be open and you can see it pre-snap. Like when there's a slot receiver on the left side and there is nobody on the left side to cover him, but a safety that's 15 yards off the ball and that receiver is running a five yard out. That's going to be open every time. But because the play is designed to go to the other side of the field, Fields is going one, two, three. Oh, look, I'm getting hit. Don't give the Bears coaching staff credit for that open man. They didn't design it to get it to him. He's the fourth read on that play. He was not supposed to be open. And Fields is never going to see the backside slot guy running out there for that play. What their offense seems to be based on is seven-step drops to get swing passes to running backs and tight ends. Uh, Slow-developing short passes seem to be the goal of almost all their plane designs, because the quick stuff is trash, with things like two receivers running hooks within five yards of each other so that a linebacker could cover both of them. And that's his first two reads on a play. So he has to get to his third read before there's a prayer of a receiver being open, and by that point there's a pressure, and he's getting hit. And their blitz pickups are worse than their terrible offensive line. Uh, There are no easy first downs on this offense. It is 100% reliant on one of their players making a play, and their players aren't that good. It's kind of like the difference between what the Lions had with Anthony Lynn and then what they got when Ben Johnson took over. Anthony Lynn would put guys in a position where if they made a play, they would get a first down. Ben Johnson puts them in a position where the easy play is there for the first down, and if they make a play, they get more. If you follow me on that. The Lions lost, but they didn't lose any ground in the division race. The Packers and the Lions are tied at 1-1, and while the Vikings and Bears are both 0-2. Two weeks in. This division looks like the weak division that national pundits were saying it probably was before the season started, with nobody stepping up to take command, as we were all hoping that the Lions would do. This week, the Lions face the Falcons, the Packers take on the Saints, and the Vikings host the Chargers, while the Bears are going to get their lunch money stolen by the Chiefs. Tomorrow, I'm going to be doing a preview of the Falcons' offense and how the Lions might be able to stop it. Go to our merch store, buy things, like, subscribe below, do all of that stuff, and see you tomorrow. Let's bring it in here together. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Lions on three. One, two, three. Lions! You've had enough of that shit.